Welcome to Radio, the EO South Africa podcast. My name is Richard Mulholland and I'm here with my, uh, my co-host, Ross Drakes. Hello, everyone. And with us today in the two studios is our guest, Richard Rain from EO Cape Town. Hey, Hi. dude. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. That's what she said. <laughs> so uh, Richard is the founder and CEO of iLearn. Rich, you want to tell us a bit about your company, uh, what it does, what you do? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I'll start with what I, what the company does. And uh, so the elevator pitch is that we are a corporate learning solutions provider, uh, providing IT and general business skills curriculum on uh, accredited and digital learning solutions. I mean, can we just take a moment to pause and appreciate <laughs> how many large words were in that sentence? Did it sound professional and, and, and impressive? It really did. It really did. did. You, blew you, me you away. delivered it like a radio personality. I have uh, been flaws. trained. I have been trained. <laughs> yeah, this is not his first rodeo in that regard. Yes. So, so, what problem do you solve in the world? Uh, we take stupid people and make them unbelievably amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he only met me five minutes ago, and I already feel amazing. <laughs> awesome. And tell us a bit about your EO journey. How did that start, and uh, the different roles you've been in, and what you, uh, what that's been like. My EO journey has been life-changing. I have had, prior to joining EO in 2012, I had a series of mentors and coaches over my business journey. And I joined EO knowing about EO from when I lived in Joburg. And was obviously also being a new recruit in Cape Town, looking to broaden my network and uh, frame of reference. And so when I joined EO in 2012... Um, it was it, the the epiphany was that oh shit it's not just me, so that was really uh, was really comforting and then uh, I was coerced uh, into joining the board a year later to become the learning chair, which I spent four years doing, and uh, and I absolutely loved loved it and hated it at the same time. Uh, I loved it because I got tremendous value, and there were challenging times because it took a hell of a lot of my time and um but yeah by, by and large it was uh, just been an incredible experience so for the non-eo listeners uh, out there learning chair you organize the events you bring in the smart people correct we got uh, top ceos and entrepreneur personalities to come and talk to the chapter uh, we um also uh, sort of leveraged the relationship with johannesburg and durban to uh, create learning experiences for all of EO South Africa, as well as strategic alliances, and uh, and all and all really was uh, a value add uh, to an EO member to broadening their learning experience beyond their monthly forum meetings. Rad, which is obviously something that's I mean, great, close to your close to your heart as well, with regards to of course being a learning being in a learning business. Um, maybe it came naturally to me um, to you know to arranging the right people for the right learning reasons and uh, and understanding the the, the impact um, and and yeah it was it's just been uh, an incredible journey awesome yeah so tell us some of the challenges you're facing right now Ross sorry Ross uh, Richard, I mean, uh, I'm just asking for a friend, but if you had people in your business who needed um, to learn some things, uh, yes. how, how, how do you go about that? How do you, how do you actually 
uh, you know, how does I learn, get the, you said you made people, stupid people into absolutely amazing people. How do yes. you actually go about doing that? So, uh, f well, f first off, our um, sales strategy and target market is all other businesses. So we're business to business sales focused in uh, specifically dealing with HR and uh, training, learning and development managers at companies who have an inherent uh, demand for learning based on a number of uh, macroeconomic incentives and, and, and targets. And uh, together with them, based on the, the business needs and uh, talent building requirements of the organization, do we then design and deliver learning programs uh, that, that are obviously relevant to, to that organization. Uh, but, but within the overall, our, you know, our product set is, is focused on general IT and business skills curriculum. And so we typically target senior supervisory level and down. And it's both online and offline, right? It is. It, it, well, interestingly, if you think of the name iLearn, we, we often, the perception is that it's predominantly online, but 80% of the business is actually in-person training, and that's by design, so because our interest is to grow and um, extend our, uh, our market by, uh, and, and the ability to scale the business using online learning uh, technologies and systems and products. Right, but I guess the to some degree when you can be in the room, yes. the, maybe the learning. I would imagine there's mm. more people take away from it yeah. when they're being trained by a trainer. Yeah, so the, the, I mean, there's I think the um, the impact, the learning impact, uh, can never be uh, at least in online can never be replaced by an instructor or a person in front of you. You can collaborate and have a conversation and group discussion, but there is a significant population that either can't afford it or can't get access to that sort of learning. And online learning breaks, breaks down a lot of barriers, being cost, geographic location, uh, the ability to learn over a period of time, not just a not nine to five, uh, one day or, or number of days ex, you know, experience. And, uh, and you can train in the same hour an infinite number of people. So, so from a, from a scale, scale perspective, online really um, allows us to be able to get to more people. And how is, you know, because I mean, EO is a learning organization. Um, I've joined EO just to, to kind of learn and be exposed to different people with different opinions. Um, and I suppose a, a byproduct of that is that I've grown as a, a business person and as a leader. How is, how is kind of being part of EO, which is very focused on learning kind of, you know, have you pulled any of that into your business? Has it changed the way you guys operate at iLearn or is it just sort of or even vice affected versa. you as a person? Mm. Yeah. So, so very much so. I mean, for me in um, being a part of other entrepreneurs who have uh, been there and got the t-shirt, uh, the ability for me to learn without making the same or similar mistakes um, has been very comforting. And, um, and obviously, you know, it's, in EO, it's difficult to pinpoint a particular learning event or curriculum that you've been through that's had like a, a, you know, this one particular effect. I feel like it's a combination of gold nuggets along the way that you pick up, that you instill little small things along the way that over time have made significant uh, influences or improvements in the business. How can you how can you manifest the kind of breadcrumb learning like we get mm, in your, in yeah. your organization? 
because obviously somebody would come and they would buy a program, right? Yes. Mm. Is it possible to have kind of like an ongoing learning structure beyond yes. the program or so that they get that continuous learning? Yeah. Is it the idea that they go from one to the next or how does it work? Well, um, in the nature of what we offer at iLearn, a huge demand uh, is accredited or CETA accredited learning, which is, which is a, typically a one-year qualification and is structured over a period of 10 months where you cover a number of modules over that period. And the, uh, the unique um, effect of this product is that you have to work and learn at the same time. And, so, and, and, and as part of that process, you actually have to go away and capture and record and prove uh, where and how you've applied the learning. So it really forces the candidate to think deeply post the in-person, uh, let's say, three-day three uh, learning experience of how they've actually implemented and applied what they've learned. And they have to, and they have to document it, and that, and that gets um, assessed and, they, and forms part of the, uh, the outcome as to whether they achieve a qualification or not. So that's, le that's learning over a period of time, as opposed to a one or two day course and then good luck you're on your own thereafter and how you applied or not applied you know, is up to you. So, so, I, so I feel in that product we're able to do that and I think together with our online learning which gives you access over a longer period of time, uh, gives you the ability to access ongoing learning experiences um, or learning products um, as opposed to the traditional classroom Nine to five. So where so, did it all start for you? How did you how did you get into this? So it's a good story. I feel like I was um, destined to go into a learning business because my my mother uh, was a remedial teacher and my father was an entrepreneur in the auto glass industry. And while I was at university, uh, for extra jewel money, would go and train uh, train individuals on how to use the computers. So this was in the late 90s when uh, dial-up uh, modems were invented and there was a mass emigration to Australia and London and the people left behind needed to email and Skype and, and communicate with these people that had left. So I, so I would go around and teach these people how to use these, these products. And uh, in my first year, I think I went, uh, well, not I think, I know I didn't go to many lectures, and so I failed first year. <laughs> <laughs> and in my last year of my BCom, I had to play catch-up. And there was a graduate recruitment program at the, at the university where I got offered a position with the IQ Business Group, which is a big management consulting company, to become a business analyst. And I was 20 years old, and I didn't know what the hell that was, but I knew I needed to get a job, and... I needed to pay my own way. And so, but it was on the proviso that I qualified and got my BCom. And uh, because I had to play catch up in the last year, I took on more than I could manage. And I failed two out of the, I think, 10 exams that I had to write. And they retracted the offer as a result. So in defiance, I said, well, bugger you, I'm going to do my own thing. Really like a completely unconscious thought. And, um, and carried on. Uh, with the individual teaching that I had uh, amassed uh, quite a significant client base and and yeah and just you know thought let's see where it goes and then uh, my dad's uh, friend who was an accountant said no you must register the business and you must you must get a name uh, which you know which I, which I, I did in fact we I started off with a company named called onsite training and in those days 
uh, I think what propelled and motivated me was that nobody did uh, training at clients' premises. You all had to go to a center where you had to choose from a menu of courses and a menu of dates, and we were the only guys that actually did it at the clients' premises. So, so yeah, so that's how I started teaching uh, individuals, and then eventually went into companies. And um, 16 years later, uh, I've never had a job. This is the, the only thing I've ever done. It's amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know like, if it's amazing it's a happy or not. Accident. It's a happy accident, but the uh, the uh, the only uh, the only negative I would say in comparison to having to work for someone is I had to pay school fees at my own cost, not at somebody else's cost along the way. For sure. But, Although uh, I find that more and more of us are DO, that seems to be the case. Yes. I mean, absolutely. I had a job uh, in an office for a year. Yeah. And most <laughs> of the mistakes I made, I still made by myself. Yes. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you built a, you said 16 year, so you built a 16 year business yeah. um, for quote unquote, a little bit of extra jaw money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and to piss off IQ business. Yeah, to piss off IQ business. <laughs> but yeah. when he goes down Ravonia Road, you want Pat gives him the finger. Yeah. I do. Actually, I've, I've tried to get in front of their CEO a couple of times to Adam. tell him the story directly. Adam. Such a nice guy. Yeah. at their conference. Really, really cool guy. Let me okay, know. Cool. Except we have lunch off. I'd love to. Along. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Uh, you know what's quite cool though is I guess that's the this happy accident thing happens a lot, right? Yes. Because what would have happened? I mean, had sure. you had you taken that job, no, I would have had a very different a life. Yeah, I'd, could I have a job now? Yeah, like could you maybe have still gone to? Because that's a very entrepreneurial environment as well, right? These guys. That's also true. Big, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a part of me that um, that wonders uh, what what it would be like to be in a structure, or maybe a corporate structure, or bigger business. We don't have to worry about everything, and you only worry about uh, your job. And um, I don't know; it seem, that seems easier, I suppose. Oh, definitely. But, uh, yeah, I don't. I just, who knows? <laughs> we'll see what comes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, so, could you, if you sold your business to a big company, do you think you could stay there for a couple of years? Sure, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so, to be honest. Um, I would probably have to force myself to actually do it, just to have the experience. And to know what it's like, but uh, but it does scare me the thought of it. So let's let's yeah. stick with stick. Let's stick with scary. Has there been times along the journey? Sixteen years. You must have been scared. Can you give us one yes. of the highlights of the Absolutely. kind of big scaries with the learnings? Sure, I've had a couple. The most significant one was um, in the early two thousands. Uh, uh, there used to be a big computer expo at Gallagher State. And um, I don't, am I allowed to say company names? But, yeah. You know, okay, so Nashua had a huge stand as you walked in. And I met one of the, the senior product managers and we got chatting and he said, and we, and we sort of worked out that Nashua at that time were going through a transition from converting their uh, previous analog devices to digital devices. And they were very concerned that because they charge per copy or per print, that the usage would decrease as a result of the technology change. And so we got onto this idea of designing a user training program that every time they went and delivered and installed a new device, we would go behind and do user training. And, um, and I was like really motivated and excited by this opportunity. I thought I'd be retired by the age of 30. And I was 24 at the time. And so we did, I did a deal, had an agreement arrangement with the Nashua head office and we and we started and it just went it went it was chaos we went from like a few days a month to like 150 training days a month 
And we hadn't even gone to any of the franchisees in the different areas around the country uh, to offer the same thing. And then when it got to that point, uh, I thought, well, shit, I'm going to need more staff. I'm going to need a bigger office uh, and, you know, basically more overheads. And uh, all, all on the promise that the, uh, the franchisees would, in fact, uh, take up what we were doing. How many of you and were there at that point? Uh, how many staff did I have? Yeah. I probably had uh, 10. And then we had to probably uh, double, double that, uh, you know, with the, with the perceived volume. And, uh, and I went, I financed uh, the purchase of furniture. I hired staff. I got beautiful offices in uh, 17 Baker Street in Rosebank. And then I got on a plane to go and visit all the franchisee uh, managing directors who all unequivocally told me to take a hike. All oh. 22 of them. And uh, At one event? No, I went individually you, to all of them. And they still all told they you? They all told me no. They oh. all said, there's no way you're coming into my client base uh, or getting access to my client well, you base. Were you like a rep share with them? or It was, yeah, it was. And they still said no? Yeah, and they still said no. Wow. It was like an old boys club. Right. And I was a young 24-year-old uh, coming to sell into their client base and they're very protective of their geographic franchise agreement. And um, anyway, so they told me all to get stuffed and I was uh, probably, I think about half a million rand in the red and I had to go to the CFO of, uh, of Nashua. And I just remember I'm 24 years old and I go to the CFO of Nashua to say to him, listen, uh, this kind of hasn't really worked out. Uh, you got to pay me, you got to bail me out. And he, I remember him saying, that, uh, you know, without going for board approval, I'll give you 200K. And I, and I took it. And then I had to trade out of the, the hole. Uh, and, then, and obviously then now service all the debt that I had uh, accumulated in the preparation of making this contract a huge success. And, uh, and so the, the lesson there was uh, stick to your knitting. Because that actually wasn't what we did. We were a corporate business-to-business -business, uh, learning provider providing bespoke IT and business skills curriculum. Uh, we did, I was opportunistic. I thought we could use the same infrastructure, the same know-how, the same resources, and we could apply that to a, a new territory or new product uh, without really thinking about it. And, um, and yeah, so I learned, I learned that lesson. So I always talk about the principle of bad first iterations, that we often do something in our business, we get, you know taken to school, we mess it up, <laughs> yes. and then we think that that is done forever. Oh, yeah. Now Theoretically, after though, that. could you, like in the years that have passed since, you're not a 24-year-old, you've done things, could you have made that work? Because it sounds like there's yes. a business there. Yes, I probably could have. I mean, I, I probably went too fast. If I just slowed down and allowed it yeah. to maybe uh, evolve more organically, instead of gearing up and then I was putting the cart before the horse, effectively. Right. And, but uh, is there a business business model so you there? didn't have the agreements in place I didn't. with the franchises before you I didn't even have an agreement with the head cash. office. I, there was no, like, I didn't follow a proper process. I always feel, know. though, there's a huge gift when you get lessons like that early. Oh, oh yes. Because you don't want to have that lesson yeah. 10 years later Absolutely. when everything's been amazing. Absolutely. And I, and I was single it. with no children. I think I was still living at home, actually, at that time. So... So the, the, the risk impact was much lower compared to now. Um, yeah, like worst case scenario, you would have mm, closed that company down yeah, and absolutely. started another one. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, all kind of got a job. Yeah, got a good job. <laughs> IQ business, yes. hey guys. <laughs> yeah, better IQ. <laughs> you, you could have you could have become the largest Nashua um, reseller in the country and slowly yes. swallowed up all the guys that um, said no to you. Yeah, absolutely. Oof, that would have been very nice. So, Rich, but, yeah. also pretty. I mean, pretty tough. You had to you had to hear no twenty two times. Yes. Like, yeah. You just went from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting and got beaten down. Um, yeah. I'm surprised you, you came out of that. Like, can you tell us a bit more about that kind of, like, how, how you got through that? Like, what was that like? That's a good question. And when I think back to all the times over 16 years and the fact that I've lasted 16 years and the amount of no's that I've gotten over the, over the period. Um, in fact, my lovely Jewish mother always says to me, uh, you know, how... how uh, You've got to do this with an accent. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dare. Um, that uh, that I've been, I've persevered, and I've uh, and I've remained. I think I suppose I've remained uh, committed to my purpose of being in a learning business and making a difference, and uh, and you know, and having and having a significant impact. And this this is the best way I know how. So so I think that's driven me without a doubt. And then it's also just fight or flight survival you know and just when you're in a corner if you come at me i'm going to come back at you 10 times harder well that's the thing as well as i guess by the by the virtue of all those no's and putting you with your yes. back against the wall yeah. you had to come back yeah and i think that's the best lesson that it, what it taught me is resilience how long did it take you to get out the hole the other 300 or so it took me two years 2004 to 2006 and then i had to learn another that same lesson again unfortunately um and um, and that took me another year to come out of that as well. So I've had a couple of like significant uh, on my timeline in my forum uh, introduction. Those are two pinnacle points uh, where I had to learn that lesson twice. And um, yeah, it took me a year or two to to get out of it. And then when I went back to sticking to your knitting, and you know, and had a proven model and a proven uh, marketplace, um, it was obviously a lot easier to to come out of it. Okay, so then on the back of that, sticking yeah. to your knitting, tell me about the sleeping pods, the napping pods. Sleeping pods, Because yeah, okay. they sound super rad. Yes, so this is my next uh, job, in inverted <laughs> commas. I, uh, so being in a learning business, being interested in people um, and interested in, in, in making a difference and impact, I, uh, had to, I have to obviously apply that to myself. And uh, living in Cape Town and with a head office in Joburg and a young family, um, I was stressed out of my mind a couple of years ago and, uh, and I didn't have much downtime. Even the flight from Cape Town to Joburg, vice versa, I'm banging away at the keyboard trying to get through my emails. Oh, that's right. Watch Game of Thrones. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I decided to do a mindfulness meditation course. Oh, this was also on the back of that I was diagnosed with uh, high blood pressure, which I think I was 32 or 3 at the time, which... I was uh, I was in the gym training. I was uh, always concerned about my what I eat. It, like it did not make sense. And anyway, so my physician said I should do the do a mindfulness uh, meditation program, which I did. It was an eight week program, and it was absolutely phenomenal and highly recommended to to all EO listeners. And the outcome of the program was that I had to carve out thirty minutes every day to do a meditation in the middle of the day. And it was, and it was just absolutely impossible. 
being in my office, the phones are going and staff are interrupting and I'm rushing between meetings. I just, I just could not get that right. So then I thought to myself, well, what if I went to a center where the environment was more conducive to, to doing a meditation, where maybe it's got birds tweeting and running water and, you know, a real um, Cape Townian place. And, uh, <laughs> and the thought of getting... I'm glad in, you owned it. Yeah, I owned it. And the thought of getting in my car, driving, finding parking, doing the session, then I could still find lunch and then get back to my office was too much of a hack. And I went to go see a, a client of ours who's the head of learning of a big retailer in Cape Town. And she reminded me of uh, the movie The Internship with Vince Vaughan and Owen Wilson. I don't know if you remember, there's one scene where there's a woman having a nap in this ergonomic chair with this like umbrella soundproof overhang. And she said, well, why don't you just go make those and stick them in the corner of the office? Uh, when, I, when I came to her with this idea of setting up meditation studios in companies' premises. And she said, uh, you know, that, that's a much easier sell, having a mobile or, or smaller unit. Anyway, so I did some homework around the world and I found an inventor in the UK who developed these uh, self-contained pods. And um, fast forward three years, signed up the reseller rights and I'm hopefully getting my first unit in November of this year. Uh, all with the intention of promoting mind, wellness, and stress reduction, where you can go and time out for 10, 20, or 30 minutes. So tell me about this, the, the course and the mindfulness. Let's explore mm. that for a bit. Sure. It's something I've been trying to, to push myself, but, but yeah. I, I've been using the first thing in the morning as a time. But yes. I, what I, I think what's interesting is the idea of breaking your day, which yes. is obviously more yeah. difficult, but probably has exponentially more value. Absolutely, yeah. So I think, you know, we all, we're in sixth gear all day long, um, and the purpose of, or the, the purpose of meditating, or the purpose of understanding mindfulness meditation, is uh, get, is is really just quietening the mind. So the, they call it the man, the monkey brain, which is uh, constantly uh, talking positive and negative to yourself, and that churn is what promotes stress. So the ability to stop that, to truly stop that for ten, just <laughs> not even ten minutes, try two minutes. Um, is, is really a blessing. The ability to just unplug and, um, you know, it just helps you. What I, the, be, the biggest benefit that I found, actually, is that it just helps you slow down. And the course itself, yeah. how did, what, where, where did you do that? I did it in Cape Town. It was every Monday evening over eight weeks, uh, three-hour uh, three sessions at a time. And, in fact, then you end off with a full day, full meditation day on a Saturday, which was broke, sort of broken up into 45-minute uh, meditations. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they teach you about uh, what is meditation, how to do it, and, you know, all, all the basics. But then, uh, it be, you know, by the end, it was basically trying to teach your brain to be still for longer. And so, yeah. how I love this that? idea of um, using meditation as almost like a business tool. It's not... Yes. You know, I suppose mm. it, it often feels like this uh, kind of airy, fairy, esoteric thing, but yeah. you're actually using it as a tool in your business to sort of reset yourself in the middle of the day yeah. so that you can then be productive and actually deliver it's, more, it's a superpower. Uh, for the rest of the day. It really is. I mean, just, just the simple thing. I mean, it doesn't have to be half an hour in the day because I know that's often, I mean, I found that nearly impossible. 
But even while you're driving from one, one location to another, you, you've got two choices. You can either think about the rand and the politics and the taxis on the road, or you can simply just zone out. And I don't mean zone out that you can't drive, but you, you, you simply focus on one thing only. That one thing, one thing, one thing in the car or, or whatever it may be. And then you, st you actually start to notice that your thoughts start to convert from uh, uh, pessimistic to, uh, you know, sort of more, more optimistic and, and grateful about what's going on in your life. And, um, yeah, I think it's just, it, brings, it brings a lot of peace. It brings a lot of happiness. And, and, the, and the thing that it really gave me is the ability to slow down. That was, the, that was the most important benefit for me. That even in a meeting with a client or with an opportunity, we, I, I felt internally there was like this, this uh, the hype to like, you've got to do the deal or, you, or you, um, you've got to make this happen or whatever it is. But when you slow down and you just allow, I mean, that is such an empowering place to be. And, it just, and, and the, 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 the major effect is that it's zero stress. And do you still practice? Yeah, so now I do. Um, not as often as I would like. I don't do it every day. And, uh, and in fact, the best time uh, that I find is on the plane, is where I really, really turn off uh, for, for longer meditation periods. But um, like in the morning to work, and on the way home, I don't listen to the radio. In fact, I don't listen to anything. And, and I just try to be still and be quiet. And uh, in my mind, I'm maybe sometimes um, reviewing the day or reviewing what, you know, what's coming ahead. And, um, and then obviously just trying to inculcate a, a positive, grateful uh, element across, across all of that thinking. So there's a very funny aside, I think, and I guess an irony there. Is that we always talk about learning and we're a learning organization and you have a learning organization. Yes. But what I realize is sometimes I'll be riding someplace and whatever happens, my podcast will finish or whatever. And I'm on my motorbike. Yeah. And there's nothing. Yeah. And all I can do is think. Yes. And it's amazing to me that on those rides where I'm not having inputs, I'm only working with the inputs I've already been given. Because I think we, that's when the magic happens. Absolutely. I don't think we give ourselves enough time to process. Yeah. We go from input to input to input to input. Exactly. And if you don't give yourself a chance to actually start processing, mm. uh, and I think that's yeah. what you seem to have done very well. You need to skill that you have that time. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I suppose we're all, we're all listening to uh, business books at two times speed. Exactly. Uh, podcasts, reading articles, uh, you know, consuming documents. And Rich, you're totally right where you don't actually often stop and just sort of think about what has come at you that day or even like what interesting thing you might be able to assimilate. I think I'm going to start a podcast your life. that you can store in the middle, you can put in the middle of your playlist that just says, all right, stop and think yeah. <laughs> for the next five minutes. That's a good idea. About, yeah, and then there's yeah, yeah. And then five there's, minutes of silence. There's yeah. nothing. It's just it's silence. noise. That's and then exactly. you can just think about stuff for five minutes and then it finishes and it says, if you need pull over, write down something, write a note, yeah. send yourself a quick email and on with the show. And then you yes. carry on going. Or, or not think about. Or yes. just turn off and just enjoy the ride. That takes practice though, right? And that takes big practice. That takes big yeah. practice. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a skill. Is that you ha and, you and you have, have to do to it often. It. Yeah. yeah. Do you, I mean, could you offer that in, as one of your product suites? Because, you, I mean, obviously a lot of your iLearn products are very hard, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, it's hard skills development. Skills, mm. but is this not as important as knowing how to run a good meeting? Absolutely. So the intention is when we, um, when I launch the meditation pods, 
is to add on services like mindfulness courses and, 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 and that sort of stuff um, outside of the, device, the unit itself. So, you know, yeah. the key is, is to try to get people to not see this as the soft stuff. Yes. Because yes. as Ross said, it's not. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very specific business but, tool. Uh, but, but, you know, interesting, I went to go and present the, um, the meditation pod to the head of Discovery Vitality. And, uh, and we, got in, we got into a debate around how, um, you know, they are heavily weighted on physical health. And they, yes. ha- they have already identified mind health as a significant area that's, that's not being addressed. So I think it's, it's coming up. And I can even see it in a lot of our clients. Um, uh, you know, there's just balance. There's more balance being, being considered uh, than hard learning or, or hard health or whatever it is. So I think, I think clients are looking to make a more meaningful uh, impact and view of uh, looking after their staff. Have you shared this kind of, this, this mindfulness meditation thing? Have you shared it with your team? Um, have you yes. kind of pushed it into your organization at all? Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure, because it was quite controversial because a lot of my uh, team have never been exposed to uh, personal development or, um, or, or mind wellness of any sort. And so, um, well, as an aside, uh, and I've recommended this to other EO members, I've got a, um, a coach who meets with every one of my staff members every month for two hours where they, uh, you know, sort of evaluate and, and um, reflect on, on themselves within the business, within the business context, within their job and, and within their lives. Like from billions. Correct. I've got one of those women. Wow. I've got two actually. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I've got one in Joburg and Cape Town, and it's been—I mean—that's been an absolute game changer um, in in the business. In and the the greatest benefit is that a lot of my staff, who uh, sometimes have come from really difficult circumstances, have never really like spoken to someone, never and never then converted how they currently behave that has been defined by their past experiences or lives. And uh, and th- and through that we've I've uh, in inverted commas infiltrated the element of mind wellness and meditation and and just deeper personal thinking about who they are where they're going and why they want to do what they do. So so that's been really really powerful. Yeah. And yeah. It's, and to the extent in some of our management meetings we um, and why I say it's controversial is because um, some of them. Uh, uh, take a bit longer to uh, adopt this is we, we start off the meeting with a five minute meditation before we uh, go into the rest of the meeting really yeah is there a is there a tool nice. yeah so a use an app i mean there's so many meditation apps there's a deepak chopra one that i often use and and in fact i also int- introduced it to my forum and uh, also with a couple of uh, um, people uh, not 100 percent agreeing with it and by the end now they can't do without it so, so do you guys meditate as an opener? As we start. So as we start, we do a 10-minute meditation. 10 minutes. Yeah. And the, and the rationale behind it is that 9 out of 10 times we're racing to get to forum because we're late or we, you know, whatever it is or, or we're frazzled. So what the meditation does is it just settles the room, just settles people. So that by the time you start your forum, like everyone's just taken a deep breath. So. We used to do two minutes in my previous forum, and I completely forgot about it. And so now you mention it, it was a yeah. huge deal. It was, yeah. uh, it was um, 
Rob brought it in. Rob Dennison. Yes, and he, brilliant. You know, he's such a, he's such a in touch kind of guy. And, yes. Uh, he brought it in to just help us for that very reason. Yeah. Just stop, mm. slow down. Exactly. And I guess you can mm. almost work with meditation. You can work up, right? So you can yes. start with a minute and Absolutely. then two minutes. And start with thirty seconds, and you just build up. Yeah. And do you believe it's significant? Like if you could flick a switch and get entrepreneurs yeah. to start doing this, would you absolutely do it? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think it's a huge, it, it can, be, can become a superpower because what it, you know, if you think of the matrix, which is the best example when you like unplug from reality and you can see things in slow motion, that's really what it allows you to do. It's because instead of like diving in knee-jerk reaction, you take a step back and you consider in fact, to the extent that we even don't make immediate if it's not an absolutely urgent thing, we don't make immediate decisions. We say, you know what, I'm going to sleep on it. So, you know, just that, that ability to slow down, reflect, take perspective and take consideration for more than just what you're seeing right there, um, I think has made a big difference. I guess what you're getting is a microcosm of the sleep on it effect. Yeah, exactly. I saw John Cleese speak once and he said when he was struggling to write an episode of Faulty Towers... He would just go to bed yeah. and he wouldn't think about it. He wouldn't mm. even try solve the problem. Yeah. And then he'd wake up in the morning and two things would happen is the one would be that he'd have the answer. Like yes. he'd just carry on writing. Yeah. And the other thing would be that he couldn't even understand how he struggled, how it wasn't there in the first place. Yes. And I guess that's what the meditation can do. It's like inserting mm. that little mini sleep, concentration yeah. sleep in your day. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, there's so there's, there's a, the new uh, buzz or, or trend in, in learning and, le and leadership development is neuroscience. And meditation and mindfulness is, is like a common uh, thread across all of, all of these learnings and teaching executives uh, to basically train their brain to slow down and to be more thoughtful and considerate and, um, and, how, and, and in the understanding of how the brain works and how you and why you make decisions. But you've got to, you've got to slow down to be able to do that. So, right. yeah. So that's. Uh, I love. I mean, it's, that's my next sixteen-year journey. <laughs> it's meditation. I love. I love this idea that's investing in the mental wellness of your team. It's actually the second time it's come up in in a couple of days. I know Sean Richards um, from Platform Forty Five sends his entire management team to a coach every single month. Oh, brilliant! So every month, each one of his guys has an opportunity to sit down and kind of reflect on their role themselves mm. and, and you know as we do we we invest in ourselves like you know in your family in your personal life in your business life and you often forget that that potentially the people who surround you every day in your company are not necessarily on that same journey you know yes. they just kind of they do their work and then they go home yeah they come back and they rinse and repeat well you know the thing my my grandfather always used to say this to me is that uh, it's the same pair of pants different pockets this idea of Home and work-life separation is a misnomer. You know, what you, what you, if you're having shit at home, you're going to bring it to the office. And if you've got stuff at the office, you're going to take it home. There's no, there's, there isn't this iron curtain that you turn on and off between, you know, two environments. And, uh, and, my, and my belief is that if you look at the whole person and you look at what's driving their behavior and their level of productivity and, and the level at which you can get someone not only to perform but to... To also just simply to be happy because if you're happy then you can then you love what you do and you'll give it your all and 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 i think that's what it's allowed a lot of my team to do well it's to me it's the same you know a few weeks ago we were chatting to justin drennan and he was saying about how he sits with his his entire team all his warehouse guys and he gives them mm. uh, training in terms of their financial health and stuff because right. 
we need to start looking at our people outside yes. the, per, the job that they do Absolutely. and start looking at them more holistically. Yeah, and, and, that, and I think that is the, um, the evolution in business of old school to new school. Whereas you're looking at not just do your job, you get a salary and we'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock and don't be late. But you look, you're looking at the whole person and how that influences their, themselves, the team around me, and then it's the sum of all parts. It's all people in, in the business all moving in the right direction. And what I, what I have found is this has really greased the wheels of the business. Wow. It's really gotten people all moving in the right direction, bought into the overall purpose of the business because it connects with their own and, uh, and the coaching helps them keep on track. I, love, I, I mean, I really want to steal this idea. I think it's magnificent. You absolutely yes. can. <laughs> it's, it's not trademarked. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> it's amazing to me how these always go in a slightly different way than you thought. But yes. I can see this is yeah. obviously where your current passion is. Very much so. Yeah. And the pods themselves, so when will they land? Where, where will they land? When will you oh, start when? So, um, so I'm a bit frustrated because it's taken a bit longer than I would have liked. But uh, I've been promised November, December. And uh, for my first a unit which will act as a demo unit, which I'll put in my uh, office in Johannesburg, and uh, and then we'll start with a launch and uh, and invite clients. And can you give us a link that we can put in the show notes so that can sh- the people yes. can have a look at them in the meantime? www.pause.life. Cool. Yeah. P a u s e. P a u s e. Dogs. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Pause.life. Pause. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So, so Richard, if you if you could go. Um, you know, like, like, what piece of advice do you wish you had? Like, if you go back 16 years, what would you, what would you want to tell yourself um, now, knowing what you know? The most uh, critical thing for me was that I was doing uh, or running a business completely on my own. I had no, no mentorship coach. Uh, some, spoken to someone who had, who had been there, done that. I mean, I, I had my father, but I think that's also dif- difficult in a family relationship. I think an external uh, mentor or coach where you meet with once a week or once every two weeks or once a month to guide you on, on how to grow and build a business, that would have been, I think, quite a significant uh, influence and possibly wouldn't have paid those school fees along the way. So, so this is a really good time for us to insert a, a sales pitch for EO, um, which is basically that in a nutshell, where you get to learn from peers oh, yes. who have um, run and built brilliant businesses all around you. Absolutely. Um, so thanks, th- thanks for setting that up, Rich. We'll, we'll put your check in the mail. <laughs> cool. I don't, you know, it's an easy sell because it's had such a significant impact on me and my business. Awesome. Right, you know, I often think that one of the mistakes I made was when Alon and um, uh, Oren were starting EO. EO, yes. They contacted me and asked me to join and things like this. And at the time, I didn't get it. And I I said, no, that it wasn't for me. And there's so many mistakes I made between critical mistakes I made between that time. And joining. uh, And joining. And I think that it would have been... I actually Mm. joined EO too late to have the benefit for my previous business than okay. I think I could have had. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I, I, my regret was not joining mm. earlier. I hear you. But then I also look back with the benefit of hindsight and having survived that uh, had you not, had I not learned from those mistakes and whatever you, I wouldn't maybe as be ad, as resilient or maybe I wouldn't have 
gone down a certain path or right. you know so what's the right place right time i think makes it yeah we can't change much right correct yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah ross so here's you... the place you get school to start your second business really really well really exactly fast. exactly <laughs> now, now i know what i'm doing <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it, but I find like I'm, I'm much better second marriage. <laughs> so, exactly. I really, really do. I, I often talk about my first marriage as a successful exit. You know, it ran its course, we did well. And uh, just like a lot of entrepreneurs say that they're better in their second business, I'm far yes. better this time around. I think there's a lot you can learn from sure. uh, uh, things that you've done wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Rich, you do also realize this is um, we're recording this and we're going to release it out there into the world. Please, will you? Please, will you? I think it will help a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So anyone thinking about starting a business, before you even start, make sure you've got a mentor. Although, okay, so let me challenge you on this now. Just, yes. I sometimes feel like, so I'm a, one of the EO mentors. I mentor a, a guy overseas. But also, uh, I often have to hold myself back because... The 42-year-old I am now has a very different mindset. So if, of if, course. if I was to mentor somebody right now, I'd say, you know, don't take it all too seriously. But actually, yeah. what I should be saying is work until your eyes bleed, yes. right? Yeah. Work harder uh, for longer. That's true. Like if I could have, if those, those kind of late night mm. uh, years, if I could have bought myself two more of those, yeah. it would have been amazing yeah. before my give a shit ran out. <laughs> and uh, you know, I often want to, I want to, like you, I want to say, guys, there's more. There is a different kind of, you know, again, be mindful, be these things. Mm. But maybe when you're 20 years old and you're starting a training business, maybe you just need to work and hustle and make all yeah. the bad decisions and That's mess true. everything up. That's true. And then get a mentor. Like survive the first two years. Mm. I, I don't, and I don't know. Do you want the mentor from year one? I believe there's a reason Accelerator start, doesn't start on your first day. Yeah, you've got to be you know, a little bit, uh, you've got to have some momentum. Right. Yeah, I hear you. I think you've got to have, you've got to have something to, to work with. But I don't know. I say, listen, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing <laughs> like learning from walking the road uh, and learning, learning it for yourself. But I just think having that external resource, that external person to just tap you on the shoulder when you're going a million miles down one particular route to say, but hold on, have you thought about this? And it's like completely different. Yeah. I think that gives perspective. And you don't have to take it. Correct. It's just perspective. Exactly. It's what I love about forums yeah. so much. Mm. I, I love the fact that I'll present a story and then nine other individuals will tell me a story about my story. Yes. And nobody checks in to see if I did it their way. Yeah. You know, that's it's, true. it's completely up to you to Absolutely. decide which bit you need and what you have to do with it. They just kind of tell yeah. how they'd handle the situation. And that to me is very, very powerful is that no one is going to be upset by the fact that I didn't necessarily take their advice. And I've never had a single I told you so moment in a year. You know? That's true. Yeah. Well, that's built into the But is the there not genes. also that... Mm. Is there not also that thing where you, the, like the older I get, the more willing I am to listen to other people around me. I think that's been kind of probably the biggest thing that's changed. You that's know, when I was true. 24 starting my business, no, like people told me all the stuff that I'm hearing now, but I was just unable to hear it because I was like, ah, whatever, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm just going to, I'm going to go down here, you know, and, and I suppose having gone down there and made those mistakes is what makes you more willing to listen, um, you know, the older you the older you get, yeah, the longer that's very true. Gets. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you crazy kids. I think we're going to have to cut it off here, uh, mostly because my next meeting has arrived <laughs> 10 <laughs> minutes <right>. ago. <laughs>
Richard, thank Sounds you so good. much. That was really cool. Thank you for having me. I think you've, you've really, really, I mean, there's some things you've said today that really made me want to reflect on the way we do things that are at Missing Link. And I, I definitely want to push this idea of, I know Don, my business partner, will buy into it in a huge way of getting a coach in for a staff. Yes. And uh, yeah. maybe love some recommendations. If you have person. some people, we can put them in the links yeah, for the show idea. notes that people yeah. would like to contact. Absolutely, yeah. Any problem is if I do that, then she's going to be too busy to service us. Yeah. Uh, that'd be, that'd be fine. <laughs> 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 no, that's cool. I'd love her to, to, to get more work. Fantastic. Yeah. That's amazing. Dude, thank you so much for being part of the show. We really, thank really you. appreciate all your input. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. You've been listening to um, Radio, which is a podcast by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. If you have a business and are looking to grow it and scale it, um, please go to eonetwork.org and you can find out more about EO and how to get involved. Um, it's an amazing, life-changing experience to be part of. Um, thank you very much to our amazing Strategic Alliance partners, um, Bidvest Auto, Bidvest Car Hire, 10XE and LabourNet. Um, and I forgot the, the best one, ExecCare. Um, thank you very much for sponsoring us. And you can catch us in the next two weeks. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can um, download it on iTunes or um, wherever you get your podcasts. And it'll really help us if you leave us a review. Thank you very much and catch you guys in the next one.